Welcome to Here Come the Seagulls, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm... week uh we're talking about ant-man yes that is actually a real thing it is a marketing promo that, that, that is clip the we just best i will piece of the, advertising i will put the video in the description because for any movie that has ever I been just, made that i think that's correct <laughs> fairly certain <laughs> i like this movie this movie's good surprisingly this is the movie that i was expecting to not iron man 3 and age of ultron both i went in and i was like oh man you know this movie these movies are so much better than people give them credit for and, I, and they are probably a little better than people give it credit for but overall i was like i kind of get it this movie i was like oh this movie i feel like i'm not as high on it's not all that it's very generic and then i was like wait a minute i'm enjoying myself quite this is a good movie. what is happening I'm not going to put up any facade like I normally do. Like, I'm not going to bash Snyder at all, or the DC movies at all. Just, just because of the flavor of the week comment mm-hmm. that he infamously made about this, and yes. this is better than every single DCEU movie, I know you probably think Wonder Woman's on par at least, if not better. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to be bringing that up a lot, so just I'm just forewarning everyone. Yeah, because we were talking about this, and like, Marvel's ice cream parlor, <laughs> it, is, they, it is a flavor of the week, and that's the thing, is that this is not like, and there are some movies that they made recently, I think, that are, that do fulfill kind of the, the spectacular, completely different experience, that's a completely different movie than all the other movies they made, I think they've made some really, really great, completely offshoot movies that don't necessarily fall into the same kind of structure that they normally have with with kind of their maybe general formula that people have accused them of having this movie is that though like this is it is by the books straightforward there i mean it's it's not by any it doesn't really think a ton outside the box i don't know we'll have to talk about that and and the movie and, and everything but like marvel's ice cream parlor it's like it, it, I mean, you, you you go to you go to what's the Frosty Frog? That's a, that's a place. I promise it is. You can look it up. Um, or or like you buy your Mayfield ice cream or your Ben and Jerry. Like it's all they have a base ice cream and that's what they make. And then they might have different flavors. They might have different flavors of the week. They might have mint. They might have chocolate chip cookie dough. That might be their special. I don't know. They have things. They have different flavors, but it's still the base ice cream. And that's the thing is that. No matter what flavors they have, the base ice cream is still good. It, if nothing else, it is, it is identifiable as ice cream. It's it's what I like to call competent ice cream. Competent ice cream. <laughs> it really is. There's a truck outside. There's a truck outside being very loud. I don't know if that can even be picked up. I don't probably know. not. I'm probably just talking into the wind. It's fine. Uh, the DC use okay. ice cream. On the, when you when you walk into Zack Snyder's ice cream parlor, it's all on fire. It's it's just all on fire. <laughs> it's just they, they've they've put the ice cream on the stove, and you're they're, like, what are you they're, doing? They're deconstructing ice cream in a way that it's <laughs> never been deconstructed before. Just, and that and by that I mean they sprinkle a little gasoline on it and set it on fire. And they just the they, kids they, love it. They toss some ice in there every now and then. They're just kind of watching from a distance. This ain't your daddy's ice cream. Sometimes they're like, oh, we need to remake the ice cream. And then they just pour some, like, other burning ice cream into the burning ice cream. There's, there's like, dead animal carcasses in it. It's just, like, that's that's the bit, that's what gives it this the solid foundation. Everything smells orange. But then at the last minute, they steal some of the Mar- Marvel ice cream and they just throw it on top. And they're like, guys, it looks like the other thing now, right? You guys like that? But the thing is, the pictures that they put on top of the ice cream are usually pretty good. So, like, you're, you you go into the store and you look and you're like, hey, that looks like some pretty good ice cream. Can you open that up and let me get... And you're, why is this... Why is there blood spurting out of it? What's happening? Those are rocks. Those are rocks that you put in this ice cream. We, we're... Their ice cream... It, they're beyond flavors here. They're, they, they haven't gotten to the part where they can introduce flavors. They still just need to figure out the ice cream. And I just... 
movie's this movie's great. It's not it's not great, but it it's great. So now that we've ended our extended metaphor slash rant, our DC extended metaphor. I wish that that universe was just a metaphor. I wish it wasn't real. It's about the horrors of nuclear apocalypse. It's about the horrors of something. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, so Ant Man. All right, that we should put, from 2015, yeah. directed by Peyton Reed. I'm also going to be throwing shade at Terminator Genesis. Just right. <laughs> don't just just let it happen. And Spectre, while we're at it, sure. Why not? Sure. So Spider Man Three. <laughs> by the way, X Men Three is the worst thing ever. No, we should we should mention directed by Peyton Reed, heavily influenced by Ed by Edgar Wright. Yeah. Um, which. I think comes across to at least a little bit of yeah. an extent, if not a lot of an extent in this. And the deal with that specifically was that he was already working on this years ago, right? Like before he the started MCU. working on it back in like 2007. Yeah, before the MCU really had been put together. And then like it just continually dragged on and on. And then eventually they were like, all right, what you're trying to do here is not really going to work in our universe. And they kind of supposedly mutually split ways. And Who then knows? Paid, yeah. He, he, he hasn't come out like Mickey Rourke or uh, Terrence Howard and just yeah. started uh, bad mouthing Marvel. Yeah. So it does seem that they've gotten better at uh, maybe maybe splitting ways with creatives. Yeah, um, a la Joss Whedon. Yeah, um, but yeah, directed by Peyton Reed, kind of. It has an eighty-two percent okay critic score and an eighty-six percent audience score. Okay, flavor. Come on. <laughs> With all that out of the way, Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing about Ant-Man? It feels like I'd be cheating to say my best thing is just the characters. <laughs> um, but it's the heart of the movie, I guess. is is not the My best thing is the heart that the movie presents to you. Because it's just fun to watch. It's just, and it's not fun to watch in a oh turn off your brain and kind of just like tilt your head to one side and let the, the jewel roll out your mouth and then like you, that explosion. That's Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Correct. This is fun to watch and like oh hey that's kind of creative oh hey that yeah, character is yeah for great. those of you you new listeners we like Transformers three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to keep perpetually reminding myself <laughs> that we actually like one of those movies. <laughs> Um, and that it's not the first one like everybody else want, wants you to think? Correct. Yeah, I don't know. That I'm going to keep sidetracking about movies that are much less <laughs> good as this. <laughs> much less good as this. Yeah. Uh, That's a sentence. Yes. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. The, like... Because it's not, it's not a comedy, necessarily. There is actual emotional storylines to an extent i would say out of all the marvel movies thus far maybe barring guardians it's the most comedy yes it maybe doesn't... iron man 3 i don't know iron man 3 wishes it was as funny as this movie there were no real jokes in this where i was i was wondering what the intent was yeah like just so many of the jokes in iron man 3 both of us were just looking at each other going joke yeah do we do we laugh now? <laughs> um, yeah, this one it, it it's legitimately funny and it's still it still holds up. Like it's still pretty entertaining. I feel like Michael Pena <clears throat> could have been like a Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, like, and instead people, but, it, but he's hilarious. Him. Yes. Um, there's a lot. There's just a lot of really creative ideas in this. Um, just gonna say we haven't seen chips, which apparently I, I've seen a whole bunch of different critics that have like done analyses on that uh -huh. on youtube and they just completely tear that apart and now a lot of people don't like michael pena because of that because okay. apparently that movie's just the worst thing ever okay i don't know well don't watch chips we, i we guess we still like you michael pena but we as at least until just don't let us watch chips and we'll probably continue to like you so um yeah no it is just the characters all have great interactions and great chemistry and it's just entertaining to watch these people because there's a lot of really great comedic actors that you can tell are, are probably giving their input a little bit on, on the script and everything and 
you know, some, some good performances and the characters are just heartfelt for the most part. Um, the good characters, I should say, yeah, are, are well thought out and, and they have good motivations and they just, you know, it's that you understand where they're coming from and they're, I don't know. It's really hard to explain this movie without being like, look, 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 it's not great. Yeah. But it's also kind of great. Like the, every, every aspect of it, it's like, there are other movies that do this better but this movie just does a lot of things that well. And because of that, it ends up being kind well, of greater than it's some because, of its parts. It's because this movie does nothing that is flat out bad. Yes. It's either average or it's good. Yeah. There, there's no, oh, that one element, that's just flat out terrible. Yeah. So, like, for a worse thing, it's not going to be like, oh, well, like, here's the thing that's just, de like, it does not yeah. work at all. Like, yeah. everything works at least okay. Right. Which, interestingly, kind of... Like a flavor of the week should! Kind of ties into my worst thing. Which is that... <laughs> I almost want to just be, pull, do, say exactly the same thing I said for Guardians. Just try harder, question mark? No. <laughs> but, but that's not it. Um, this movie needs a more thorough thematic idea to center on. It needs something to grab. Because basically it's just sort of... Yeah, the Ant-Man stuff is a thing, and it's really dangerous in the wrong hands, so we need to make sure it doesn't get into the wrong hands. Yeah. And, like, it's never really established. I mean, obviously, like, we can, with our imagination, pretty easily see, okay, this stuff's pretty powerful, and, like, we can see what you can do with that. But just, like, I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's several different elements here. There's the the uh, father-daughter stuff with, with Hank and Hope, and then paralleling that with scott and cassie and like that's a thing and like there's the stepfather stuff with with cassie's stepfather not or soon to be stepfather i guess and and um scott's ex-wife and like that there's that dynamic and like there's there's several different dynamics that are really interesting and like there's the the um darren cross taking over for hank as like the the proprietor of the hank of the pin particles or whatever there's a lot of different little elements and cool little emotional connections, but there's nothing really tying them into one thing other than the fact that this is a movie about Ant-Man, so eventually it all kind of comes back to Ant-Man and the Ant-Man suit and particles and such. Like, I don't know. I what, what my, The comparison I, I brought up while we were watching this is that something like Jurassic Park, where Jurassic Park, it's, oh, this is a movie about dinosaurs. That's ultimately what the movie's about. And ultimately Ant-Man is a movie about Ant-Man. But it's, I don't know, it, it spends so much time focusing on the technology and kind of like the, the warring ideologies about this technology that I feel like we need something more, much like Jurassic Park had the idea of the, the using the dinosaurs as sort of this metaphor for nature and the inability of man to control nature and like the, its in, unpredictability. And I feel like this needs a larger through line, a larger element of some sort to like have some sort of ideological battle upon as opposed to just yeah we don't like or we we want to make sure this suit doesn't fall into the wrong hands and then well the suit's falling into the wrong hands unless you stop that guy better stop that guy and that's kind of where that conversation ends and then it becomes about the characters which is why the movie still works but i i would like their the plot itself to have more going on from a thought standpoint i don't yeah. know not it's not thematically heavy in any yes, in any sort exactly. of way which seems like a lot to ask of a movie about ants but like but oh at least it's not a try hard trying so hard to be about philosophical and thematic elements and just completely falling on its face at yeah. every turn this is true my best thing is just how it deconstructed the superhero genre really broke it down <laughs> alright you come in you better explain it better 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 no lay no, it no. Out. no see 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 Zach's or are you deconstructing the best thing about the movie yeah like on the the podcast skit that we do well plus Zack Snyder doesn't actually explain how he deconstructs superheroes in any thoughtful way so True. I don't feel like I need to for Ant-Man Ant-Man's smarter than Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Come on. You're not wrong. 
Um, just, just on a logical plot point A to plot point B going down the line mm-hmm. of a coherent story, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't we should establish, by, by the way, <laughs> for, for new new listeners, if there are any that we... we or people who haven't listened in a while, we have been down on several MCU movies. Like we're not at this point, we're pretty, we're pretty like subdued as far as just how amazing it is because we haven't done many movies that are like this is out of this world, this is incredible. Like we're we're fairly low key on most of them. A good number of them have been in the C range for us. Yes, this one kind of took us by surprise. It really did. Um. So we're not, I don't know my best. This isn't is. this isn't us trying to be MCU fanboys. We just talked about how Iron Man three and Age of Ultron both we weren't super high on. This I know is what like, my best thing is. I don't know. I just figured it out right now. All right. It's a heist movie that's actually about the heist. True. Um, Which does a lot of really good things for the story structure. Yes, because I feel like most of the other MCU movies, well, most superhero movies in general, we've we've talked about this with several of the previous franchises how. Yeah. The first half, particularly if it's an origin movie, it's just like, oh, that's the origin story. Then the second half is just them doing random things, and then okay, they got to fight the villain. Yes, it's there's there's a separate origin story of the hero and the villain, and then somehow the movie figures out how to tie them back together because they, they spent most of the time working on the, the hero's origin. Yeah, and they kind of threw some scenes in here about the the villain, and then it's like, oh crap, we got to get them back together. Okay, well uh, here's the villain's plot, I guess. Yeah, and then they kind of roll off from there. This movie. The entire reason that Scott Lang becomes Ant-Man is so that he can stop the villain, which is all about the third act. Yeah. And therefore, the movie never loses momentum like in a the heist way movie. that every other origin movie does. This is how heist movies work. Yeah, and they, they, they have to get together and plan for the heist, and the third act is all about how they yes. do the heist. Which, come to think of it, is another thing that was bypassed in an MCU movie that we'll have to talk about later that I, I think is also very smart. They're 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 getting they're getting a feel for their formula and figuring out what they can do with it to actually make it work yeah. in a way that is different. But than... the the biggest comparison I can make is it's with Rogue One and how yes. my expectation for that was oh this will be a cool uh, space fantasy heist movie yeah and then it's not and then it's just <laughs> that movie is not a heist movie in the slightest and then it's just the Lion King one and a half of Star Wars movies but not as funny <laughs> I don't know I was laughing pretty hard. There were jokes. I mean, is that my review of Rogue One? I know we talked about Rogue One. Oh, I mean, when the main characters died, I was laughing. Yeah, there were jokes. You know, (laughs) I can't keep this going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like just having the third, like everything, actually builds up to that third act. It's not just a bunch of meandering around, which. Like we said, most most superhero, particularly origin stories, suffer from. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. It knew what it was, and it had good good coherence, good good focus yeah. on what it wanted wanted to accomplish. There's not a ton of action leading up to the third act. I'm trying to think back. Like there's there's the scenes where he is kind of experimenting with the Ant Man suit at the in the first couple of times he uses it. Yeah, and he's flying around the city on the ant, and like he's falling through cracks and landing in parties and avoiding people stepping on him and all this stuff um and then it's basically there's a there's a bit of a lull aside from him just like oh he's interacting with ants underground um for a while until the falcon fight which i think is genius um that they just pulled in falcon for this and we're like yeah why not um i also like how, how this movie weaves in and out of the continuity and it, it yes. makes tons of sense yes and this is the first time where Scott goes, okay, first thing, why don't we just call the Avengers? And then there's a very logical reason as to why they don't just call the yes. Avengers. It's not just... And it's a continuity-related reason, because yeah. the reasoning is that um, Hank doesn't want to deal with another Stark. Yes. He doesn't want to deal with T- Howard Stark's son, because he already had dealings with yes. Howard Stark. And he, it's it, it works. This is the first... I, you... You mentioned when we were watching this, um, you were like, this is the end of phase two, right? And I was like, yeah, for some reason, I kind of get it now. I do, because this is taking a step back and basically saying, all right, we should probably mention that there is a real world to the MCU and like there are actual people living in it. Like, I think this movie goes a long way towards making you understand how life feels day to day. 
for average people average quote unquote but like for seeing how people live in the real world in the MCU yeah because that is basically what the entire movie is about until the end like there's it, we, we see people interacting I mean the guy works at Baskin Robbins for a little while there and like that's the most real moment in the yes. the entire MCU yes oh lord where he gets he gets fired from Baskin Robbins after having to deal with this moron who keeps trying to order food specifically hot food at Baskin Robbins then he gets pulled into his boss's office where his boss is like oh yeah we found out you're actually a criminal oh this is cool I love all this stuff you've done oh by the way you're still fired but you can grab a free drink on the way but you can grab that a... entire sequence just is just the extra bit where he's like I, I won't look I promise yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. There, it's so weird. There, there's just a certain sense of sincerity with this movie. Again, that yeah, the heart. I feel like it's Ant Man. This should be like the most cynical cash grab. Uh huh. And it's people cared when they made it. God, I never thought we'd see a day where Ant Man made over half a billion dollars. Yeah, and earned it. And earned it. it. Probably well, deserved more. Well, that's more. the thing is that you. Yeah, the, when the movie makes that much, you know that it did earn it because it's not writing off of like the big opening weekend for the big brand name hero. It's just like, oh wait, people like this, so they're going to go back and watch it or, or tell other people to watch it. And so it made some money. And it's like, oh, how fu funny how that works. What? Who would have thunk it? So my worst thing <laughs> is that it didn't deconstruct the superhero genre enough. <laughs> I'm just going to keep throwing that in there at every single possible point. Because I think that is the most pretentious thing. Alright, seriously. My, my worst thing just by default is the bad guy. Yep. That's fair. Just because we, we were coming up with ideas of just simple ways to make him just a tad bit more interesting. Because yeah. he's really just guy who has issues with Hank Pym who's like slowly going crazy I think it is really fascinating how much this is the reverse of Obadiah Stane from Iron Man as far as now it's the younger guy is trying to be or like like be the weapons monger rich dude working with the bad guys he even, he even works with a random throwaway reference to another Marvel agent or Marvel evil agency as far as the Ten Rings and Hydra. Yeah. Like, the, I feel like you could lay them, lay out those plot points, and it's literally just like, here's this charismatic, sketchy dude who pretty quickly we find out, not, well, it's it's a twist in Iron Man, but like in this, we find out he's, he's pretty evil, and like, he is, um, I don't know, basically, like, like, <laughs> bald white dude who is trying to gain power for ambiguous reasons yeah and then at the end he goes crazy and there's a big fight yeah like i don't know it, it's it's very very similar um and it's still a problem only he's not as charismatic as jeff bridges is so it's more of a problem yeah even and we don't really get any sort of sympathy for him because we never really build up his relationship before we find out he's the villain immediately we know he's the bad yeah. guy yeah like, isn't his second scene when he kills that guy in the bathroom? Yep. That's his second scene. Something like that. Like, there's no... I don't know. Maybe they were just trying to avoid the cliche of, like, here's the guy. You know he's the bad guy. Just, just okay, here you go. Yeah. We're not going to try and pretend that he's yeah. not. I don't know. But just... I feel like if they had made his intentions less two-dimensional mm -hmm. bad guy-esque mm -hmm. just well he's the kind of guy that you can't really picture where his backstory is and that's I, this is something we that i might have to go go back and try and apply to some of the other villains because I, I realized this while thinking about it and i feel like this might be the main issue is just that like with a lot of these villains is that you have to be able to picture their backstory like growing up and it's like you don't really see the like it, people like that exist sure but I don't know, it, it's very hard to sympathize with someone when you can't even imagine, like, you can't even come at all from the same place as them, and you can't even 
picture how they got to the point they're at without just being born a jerk. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, plus I, I don't, I don't like the the using the excuse of oh well he's crazy now. Yes, because like that, of the pin particles. That's just a stupid. It's crutch. a slightly less fragile, uh, transparent way it's, of it's, making him fight the bad it's, guy it's, or fight the good guy. For at the me, end. it's very similar to the AI stuff in Spider Man Two. Like I know yes. everybody loves Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. I think it's and his performance, performance is. is I think it's a very good performance. Yeah, but. What totally undercuts that whole character for me is that he goes crazy because of the stupid AI yeah. instead of him just actually being a very driven, stubborn person who's lost everything. Yes. I agree. Yeah. Um, I just think that the bad guy goes crazy because of science. Like, that is such a, a an easy crutch that, right. that they keep using over right. and over again in superhero and at least, But at least in Spider-Man 2, it's like... Oh, there's a struggle. I mean, I, I totally agree with... When I, we talk about that in our Spider-Man 2 review that you can go back and find. Um, but, I, like, I agree with you, but at least at the end, it's like, okay, so he's he's fighting and he's real... Like, there's, there's some stuff in there. They try to do something, even though it is ultimately bad guy goes crazy because science. This one, there's not even really a moral conundrum. It's just sort of like, eh. Yeah. He's crazy now. It's fine. Pin particles. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, just just remove the crazy bit, and you're already like halfway there to making him better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I just needed something more than just he's mad at Hank Pym. Exactly. I need, I needed something more than that, and oh, also he's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Which again, even even despite that, it does still work from a short a story structure because we're still building up to like alright uh, uh, you know there's gonna be a heist they're gonna try and steal from him probably gonna have to fight him yeah at the end and it's like we don't need to spend as much time on the villain when the, if they're just gonna give him a cookie cutter origin yeah we might as well just have him show up just enough to establish him and kind of get an idea for what he's there for let, it, let us know what he's doing in the background and then move us right along to that final fight and spend most of the time building out our protagonist yeah so yeah on the other side of that Paul Rudd's awesome. <laughs> yes. I want more Paul Rudd. Let's just let's just have that. Let's have Paul Rudd as he he'll play every character in every movie from now on. That's that's fine. Do it. I can't possibly see it going poorly. Good. I'm glad we could come to a consensus on that. But no, he, he is. He really is good. Um, he's charismatic. He's. How do you feel about this being a passing of the torch scenario as opposed to they just start with Hank Pym? I think it's an interesting place to start with. Um, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting choice. And I think... I feel like ultimately... Because that's the thing is they don't necessarily have to follow the comics. Um, I mean, Hank, I don't believe, ever had a daughter... <laughs> like hope is completely a new character for the movie oh um i'm pretty sure i could be wrong about that and scott does have a young daughter in the comics and that's like cassie and and eventually she does her own superhero thing i think and so on and so forth but like that I, so I, my first thought was oh well maybe they want to get the, the the father-daughter interaction there but there's really no reason they had to do that like they could have i don't know just had it been Hank and then he has a daughter and something like they do the same thing. I don't know. It's really interesting. It's I'm not entirely sure how they came up with that entrance to it, but I think ultimately it's gonna work better. I think ultimately it, it puts us in a pretty good place for this universe going forward and for these characters. Well it also works for me, just fleshing out the universe a bit more and, and just saying Yeah. There were actually some superheroes before Iron Man. It's not just they suddenly just popped up out of nowhere. Yeah, and that's something that I, that is really interesting. And it always kind of bothered me until we watched this again, and then I kind of realized that the point was that no one had ever noted, realized Ant Man was there because he was working yeah. undercover because he was tiny and no one could see him. And then you and, could argue they didn't even have those files of him like going on secret missions until after the uh, Black Widow released all the information in Winter Soldier. There you go, tying tying it all together. It's all connected. Um, <laughs> ants. <laughs> but 
<laughs> yeah, um, and I think it'll help as well with, you know, like with Captain Marvel, it seems like, I believe the idea now is that they're going to set that in the 90s. I think this will be a good introduction to doing something like that and establishing immediately that it's like, yeah, we can have these movies just kind of take place and like flashbacks or like be set largely about events that have already happened and yeah. like we can do that and so yeah it works um i'm really not i i am because i i think originally when i heard about it i was like eh, i kind of like to see hank pym because he's a really interesting character um and we do see hank pym but in in the role that you know he was created with it's really yeah i i don't i don't have any problems with it so far is the best way i can put it it's they they executed it very well i think that also helps to differentiate itself a little bit from the other origin stories mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. so you got that and in, in the heist aspect that actually yes and we can we can jump right into the action as yeah. opposed to necessarily having to establish oh here's a guy he's he's experimenting with ant particles oh now he's gonna turn small okay yeah. now and what's he gonna do with that okay there's a conflict plus with it's a fairly guy. easy way for your hero to actually figure out stuff because you've got somebody like who can tell them you, yeah what everything is how everything works yeah. yeah um no it does it really does work how do you feel about hope what do you, think? you mean kate from lost how do you feel about kate from lost I either think of her as Kate from Lost or whatever, whoever she is in, in the Hobbit movies. Ah, uh, yes. The famous character, whoever she is. Tariel? Sure. We're probably going to do those movies next. Spoilers. But Why are you doing this to me? I'm, I'm going to go in and throw it out there just to, like, slowly make sure you have to do it since it's on record. Because we want to do Lord of the Rings. But that also means we have but to do But I don't want to do The and Hobbit! I think we're going to do The Hobbit. And I... I you know we're i'm gonna purposely not sleep the night before we do those just so i sleep while we're watching that's them. fair specifically the third one too like that's the most important one that you just like yeah two you can as well but like the third yes. you need to yes just not pay attention yes we'll get there um <laughs> there's a battle scene i go to sleep for five hours i wake up it's still going <laughs> i could say that about return of the king but i cared yeah. That's the difference. And that's my review of the Hobbit movies. See, now I don't have to watch them. That's fair. She's fine. Mm -hmm. I I I like the way they handle her and Scott's relationship for the most part. I like how they're they're not pushing it too hard to be a romance and you know they do throw in the bit where they're kissing at the end, but it's not it's not a very generic you were talking about it like oh they she doesn't give like a dramatic speech of like yes. oh i'm so proud of you and what yeah. you've done and then they do a there's no moment of, kiss of tension before yeah. that it ha it's just like oh he opens the door and then they're kissing and it's like oh oh hey you're a good woman yeah i am good man yeah <laughs> they have good chemistry too i think i feel like probably better than scarlett johansson and mark ruffalo what oh um, You're turning your back on that, aren't you? I am. I mean, I, I, I again, you can go listen to our thoughts on Age of Ultron. I think that their Hulk and Black Widow's relationship, there's nothing... It's. I think it's structurally sound. I think it's fine. It's just a matter of... I don't think they have great chemistry. That, that's ultimately what it comes down to for me. I, I just love the realization, like, I didn't even think about the lullaby at the beginning of the movie that sort of sets up, oh, they've been... Yeah. They've been developed. Like, that's supposed to be the signal for everyone that they've been developing a relationship. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it does feel a little bit rushed. And then that clicked for me. I'm like, never mind, redacted. <laughs> Not a problem. Get over it. <laughs> and that, that, we talked about that forever last one. Let's talk more that. about Age of Ultron. Here, though, the relationship, <laughs> it, it does do a, a second act turn on, turn, turn after a conversation where they, they do, they break it's, down it's, the walls. It's pretty by the numbers. Um, her her not being angry which, about uh, of her father or um scott just like again after a couple of key scenes this movie is overall pretty by the numbers but they do little things they do they do like we just talked about they they don't do the kiss scene they change it up they have a little bit of a difference there um i don't know it yeah there, there's there's a lot that that they do just ever so slightly differently and kind of mix it up Sorry about that. We had to pause momentarily due to technical difficulties. Tyler, what were you saying? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I was hoping you'd take it over. We were talking about Hope. She punches Scott in the face and it's pretty funny. In my world, it means Superman. <laughs>
yeah, no, they, they have a good they have a good relationship, and this this movie does a lot of things like that where they just they it, it they follow the rules is the best way I could put it. They're just like, all right, we're just gonna do this, and we're gonna make this scene here and that scene there, and that's gonna bring that together. We're gonna have some montages about the character learning to do a thing. And that's we'll get there. Like it has, it's a, a, it has a good old fashioned training montage. Yeah, um, and it's actually creative because you got you know he's small and he's killing a bunch of different insects. Yeah, um, and that's the thing too is that this movie's pretty creative about how to add little details throughout the movie to make things fun and, and clever, even though the plot itself is pretty standard. Um, you know, it was funny. You said this movie was very light on action. That's true, but it also has some of the best action sequences of the MCU. Yeah. We we should talk about actually to this day. Yeah. We should talk about the the cinematography and the action in general and, and stuff and the way it's shot and everything too because we've complained about that for the last for a while now where we're like, eh, yeah, we're not sure what's happening." And uh, the it's we just received a package. <laughs> it's the flavor of the week ice cream. <laughs> it's our Disney check. Oh. <laughs> Lord. But yeah, no, it, it's... It's good. <laughs> so, like... That's your quote on the poster. It's... Then there's like a hundred dots. <laughs> it's just, good! It takes up the entire line. It goes across the bottom of the poster. Yeah. It's good. That's yeah, um, the, but yeah, the, specifically the lighting and just the the way it's shot in general. Well, just compared to the, the, the way, and I, I have this is probably all Edgar Wright's previs stuff, like all the stuff he did before him. Mm-hmm. But just every time he shrinks, it feels like you're in a completely different environment. Yeah, yeah. Like this movie has such a sense of scale when you get to those sequences. Mm-hmm. It, it's. Mm-hmm. It's very surreal. Yeah. And it's and it's very colorful. Like, could you imagine this this movie with like a very desaturated color palette? It wouldn't work at all. It would not work at all. Well, I'm even thinking at the end, I mean everyone kind of praised Doctor Strange for its visuals, and we'll talk about those when we get there, and the kind of the, the psychedelic stuff going on. But the, that sequence where he goes into the goes subatomic at the end of the movie, like that's there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on there. Well, also, even the bit where, like, he enters, like, the server room or whatever, and yeah. it's, everything's lit up like a it rainbow. Looks, it looks like a weird, tiny New York. Like, yeah. that, it, that's the scale that it's that's matched up, and, like, there's, the yeah. lights are crazy. It's like Tron. <laughs> um, okay, the, the fight in, in Casey's bedroom, that's one of the best superhero fights I've ever seen. I'm, the, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. The moment when the Thomas the, the Tank Engine hits... Uh, Darren Cross and like it, it zooms out and it just goes boop and yeah. it falls over it still gets me every time like every yeah. time I'm watching like it, it's a laugh out loud that's so moment. weird because they put that in, that's like the tag at the end of every yeah. trailer and you think oh that's totally ruined the joke it's like oh you know it's coming and but like, it doesn't ruin the joke it totally doesn't because it's just a great moment Um, and there's tons of stuff like I mean I, I was talking about this before where Ant-Man's third act like the 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 battle itself is is much better than the fight in batman versus superman you're not wrong i mean it's much better than a fight the fights all the fights in most movies well i'm just thinking about how creative it is even like when they're in the suitcase and yeah. it's falling from the sky and they're like they're playing disintegrate whatever that song is yeah um and, and like it, there's a phone floating around and like yeah. keys and they're jumping around and doing stuff and meanwhile you got batman who's beating superman over the head with a kitchen sink yeah the metaphor is not lost on me. <laughs> um, it it really is, yeah. The like, and I'm just thinking. I mean, the the fact that they give Yellow Jacket the lasers, I think, is really a really nice little touch because that turns makes things a little bit more interesting. And, and like, he can fly. Yeah, that too, I guess. Um, but yeah, together it's but and so like it, it's not just straight up like two visually speaking. Seven. I think he's one of the most interesting mm-hmm. MCU villains. The problem is the character is just kind of bleh. The moment where he he says, um, although I I do like how psychopathic he is. I was gonna say the what's it what's the thing he says to Cassie where it, it modulates the voice. And it's, I can't. It's remember. pretty terrifying. He there's a nice little moment where he says something and you're just like oh because like creepy. The, yeah because they they make the voice a lot deeper and darker and weird. Yeah. Um. 
No, it is. It's... Well, also, just like when he sh- he, sh- he shrinks the guy, and the guy just kind of like explodes, and yeah. it's just a little bunch yeah. of blood on the ground. Yeah. And Lamb didn't need that. <laughs> Lamb wasn't asking for that. <laughs> mind his own business. Um. Yeah, it's a... I don't know. Let's talk about uh, Scott's buddies. Michael Pena, uh, T.I., I think. Sure. Is the the African American guy, I think. Uh-huh. And then the, the, <laughs> the insane guy who almost gets shot by Harvey Dent <laughs> in The Dark Knight, who's playing like the most generic Russian hacker guy you can Which, imagine. Which, this is a point of contention for us, apparently, because I kind of love him. Um,. <laughs> It was, I don't know, it's too far for me, and I don't, I, I don't know why. You're probably right. <laughs> just, just, okay. Objectively, you're probably right. Okay, I'm, I'm sure most people are familiar with the, um, in Soviet Russia type joke. Mm. I felt like. Circa he, 2008? I feel like, like he, he was such a caricature of a Russian guy, he should have been saying that every single line. Yeah. Like, okay. We've said a lot of critiques about Mickey Rourke in Iron Man 2. I never questioned his accent. I never went, that sounds like a caricature of a Russian person. I'm sure. Isn't he actually Russian? I don't know. I'll look I have no idea. Right now. It's probably just like from New England or something. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> like somewhere in that range. But this guy um, is just like, oh. Yeah. You're definitely not Russian. Thanks for letting you're everyone wrong. know you're not Russian. <laughs> um. But still, I, I think they're, they're, it's a fun crew. That is a thing we never really determine exactly because there is a moment where um, the, the, the Scott's wife's, ex-wife's fiancé, uh, the police that, officer... That is a critique I have. You have Judy Greer in this movie. Mm-hmm. She is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But much like Jurassic World, where in that, she's getting divorced. Yeah. Right? Isn't that isn't that yeah, a plot yeah. point? But they don't end up getting divorced at the end. Question is that a mark? plot point, or is that something that was cut? I can't remember. I don't know. I think there was something. Oh no, no, no! It is a plot point. Yeah. No, oh, whatever. Um, but like, she's really funny, and then they use her for like these super bland side roles. Yeah, I believe she's in. Isn't she in How I Met Your Mother? Yes. Yeah. And she's also on Archer, and she's very funny. I think she's in... This will be something. I, I will discuss it. I'm pretty sure there's, like... She's in How I Met Your Mother in an episode with the guy who is her fiancé in this movie. I'm... fair Or, or like, the guy who is her fiancé actually is the guy who Ted's supposed-to-be wife goes back to, and then he watches the movie about the two of them that the guy wrote. Oh, that's weird. We'll come back to that. I'll come back to that after the podcast, because you guys don't care about this. But I just made that Mickey connection. Mickey Rourke's nationality, amazing. according to a quick Google search, is American. Okay. Interesting. What's the... Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I do think that she's a little bit wasted. And I was going to say, though, that there's the moment where um, they're trying to arrest Hank Pym at the in the third act. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the stepfather guy Did we miss and something? his partner. I, we might have... I'm very confused. And it's it basically just all it does is add a little like side card or side chase for the adventure for the um Russian guy and the the, the African American guy whoever they are supposed to be and then like yeah. they they like have a little misadventure and then it adds some tension as to whether or not they're going to turn off the lasers before yeah. Scott get, but then somehow Darren Cross knows like everything at that point. So like I don't I'm really fuzzy on the details of all of that. Well, I mean that that that's pretty simple because you know they're they're just hanging out at at Hank's uh, mansion or yeah. whatever, and then Darren Cross is just there. Yeah, and they're like dramatically tried to like hide the the plans yeah. for what they're doing, yeah. and he could have just easily found them and just not said anything. Yeah, like that's that's yeah. pretty simple. Or heard them talking and then or heard them talking. Yeah. Actually, he did hear them talking because he's like, "Yeah, hope I knew you were there." Yeah, yeah. So. um yeah, I don't know, but but I don't know why they were trying to like arrest Hank Pym. I'm it's a little fuzzy on the details. It doesn't really matter a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but it feels like we cut a scene that probably should have explained that. Yeah. Um. However, 
that stepfather character is actually, I think, a, a very good character. And I feel like the final scene of the movie, not the final scene of the movie, but the final scene of um, Scott and Cassie and his wife, ex-wife and stepfather guy, them all sitting around and then, yeah. like, I feel like that is a really, really nice... Well, I, I like how, like, he's just not, like, a straight-up jerk. Yeah. Like, it could have easily have been the whole arc of the movie is Scott wins his ex-wife back. Yes. And, and they just completely screw over the, the guy, the other guy, because he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's like, oh, wait, he does care. Yeah. People care. People are people. Well, the best part, at, are more at the decent. end of the movie, when, when he, um... I can't remember. They BS something where, where Scott ends up not having to go back to jail. Yeah. That seems like a bit of a stretch for me, but I was fine with yeah. it. Where he's like, oh, yeah, I'll do anything for Cassie. That's that, Yeah, that's my pleasure, but this I, di- I did mm-hmm. for you. It's like, mm-hmm. oh! Even in the flavor of the week, not everybody's a cartoon character. Even in the flavor of the week, we care about characters dying like Anthony. R.I.P. Man, that was that was a moment that that was very strange to me. Where there's this ant, and he flies around on. A I feel scenes. more emotion for Antony, a character we've known for like what three scenes, where he's yeah. actually mentioned by yes. name, more than when Superman sacrifices himself for the good of the planet in okay. his sequel. I was going to say, I was going to be like, all right, we need to stop with the DCU comparisons and and find something else to bash on because there are many other examples. However, (laughs) that's correct. (laughs) And that's a very good point. God. It's not that hard to make us care about characters. It really isn't. You just got to put in a little elbow grease. Yeah. It's not that difficult. Which uh, the, the, I'll, here I'll, I'll take a little tangent here. Not doesn't have. This isn't a message just to the DCU. This is to although, everyone. Although it would be helpful if they listened. Sure, but I'm just thinking like I don't know. Universal with the the monster movie how many people, franchise. How many people die in Apocalypse? X Men Apocalypse. And how many of them do we care about? How many people die in X-Men The Last Stand? And how many of them do we care about? At least in X-Men 3, we actually see people getting killed. In Apocalypse, Brian Singer keeps keeps wussing out. And he's like, I don't want to actually yeah. show anyone die. Yeah. At least in X-Men 3, like when the Phoenix starts killing people, like you see people getting disintegrated. That's one thing I'll give that over Apocalypse. I was gonna I was going to try and bash on Sony for a second here too, but... Gwen's death and and Spider-Man Two actually kind of works. It's not really built up at all, or like from a story structure element, it's not particularly good. But they have enough chemistry that it works. But yeah, it's I don't know. I, I just don't know I mean, why people I don't mean, understand. I mean, even Harry's death in Spider-Man Three. Yeah, that's one of yeah. the better parts of that movie. Yeah. Um, even though you got Tobey Maguire <laughs> crying face. Uh, fair enough, Sony. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's it is weird how seemingly obtuse. That's that's something that I think is ultimately what won me over about this movie. Watching it a second time, or I probably seen it since I saw it in theaters, but watching it this time, the fact that it it, it just tells a story and it doesn't feel the need to like be more than it is, or or just like mire itself down in these weird details or get obsessed with other elements of the plot that don't really matter or add in weird jokes or anything. it's just like it's a it's a, a funny movie not a guy we set up a i mean the, the the flashback not flashback stuff i guess but the the fact that a lot of the plot relies on stuff that happened a long time ago yeah i think that overall is handled really well and it's kind of interesting and unique little dynamic there yeah a couple of uh, flashback sequences that are important and that are, are well done for like helping out the plot and and it just tells a story about characters and i don't understand why so many people can't get that when you dump how much what's the what was the budget for this movie it can't have been that much i mean it's it's got some pretty good effects so maybe it was but like i'll look it up yeah like comparing this to so many other major blockbusters that don't get the fundamentals right 
And it's like you have to know how to do that before you can move on. And I'm sure a lot of this... 142 million. Okay. So that's that's sizable. Um, and they were able to CGI a Hank Pym to make him look young. And it's pretty convincing. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's weirdly great. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then you look over and Howard Stark's mustache has been removed. And you're like, oh, <laughs> dear God. And Haley Atwell has a mustache? <laughs> huh? Um, yeah. It's... I start to talk about this movie I just think about the fact that it does things that I want other movies to do and that they don't do and then I get sad that's my quote on the poster <laughs> fair enough um, that's my uh, review of the movie yeah. that's my, my quote on the poster is fair enough Yeah, and it's I get why people would call this formulaic because it is I, I have no real defense against that. It's Okay, see, here's the thing. It's formulaic, but it's not cookie cutter. Like, I... Yeah. Okay, okay. 2002 Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That movie is cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. You may love that. You may think it's one of the best superhero... And it, for the time... we For the time, it's, it's, it's it, it, one it's, of the best. It's, it's, it's impact cookie cutter. cannot be overstated. Batman 89. Cookie cutter. For the time, it's impact cannot be overstated. Yes. But... Yes. Green Lantern. <laughs> For its time, its impact cannot be overstated. If it had come out in 1985, it probably would have done fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... We need to start giving that grade out at the end. We need to figure out how far back this movie would have had to come out for it to be, for it to be like, critically acclaimed. And, and like like a good sign as if it's like oh this movie should have come out 10 years later <laughs> and then it still would have it was too ahead of its time yeah yeah um like the matrix that should have come out later that way they would have had the cinematic universe mentality that way other people other than the Wachowskis <laughs> could have made the sequels oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or hear me out they could have had Jupiter Ascending be part of the matrix universe Ah, why? <laughs> Would it have been that much more? Did you watch Jupiter Ascending? Did you watch The Matrix Revolutions? <laughs> At least I could tell you what was happening. I couldn't. I don't know what happened. Could you? Could you tell me what was happening? For the Can most, explain, for the most no, no, part, like, could you explain it to me, right? Because I'm, I'm still. Oof. So it starts off with this guy named Neo. He's yeah. played by Keanu Reeves, and now I was just going to go through Keanu Reeves' filmography. <laughs> Keanu Reeves was born in... We gotta gotta start back at the beginning. (laughs) Keanu Reeves' grandfather fought in the Civil War. (laughs) How old do you think he is? (laughs) Look, he's an interesting man. Keanu Reeves is the most interesting man in the world. They should make him the the front man for Dos Equis. Yeah. (laughs) That would be a good marketing choice. Why are we talking about this? Not him, Good question. So, let me bring up something real briefly. Um, I think this movie had some interesting elements that could have been used for more thematic purposes. Uh-huh. Like, they make a big deal at the beginning that that Scott's like a Robin Hood type. He, mm. he likes stealing from the rich and giving to those who were screwed over. Like, like he, he goes for that kind of mentality. After a certain point, that's never brought up again. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like if he had been a li- little bit more against Hank and Hope, like when mm-hmm. he gets brought on, if he's just like, oh, you just, you rich people, you just want me to steal this thing from another rich guy? You, you want to use the poor guy to, to do as your, your to do your dirty yeah. work as your middleman? Use me as a pawn. Yeah. Like, I feel like there, there could have been something there, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. It, it felt like a, a weird attempt to try and be politically and socially relevant. I don't even think it's that. I think it's just to try and make sure we don't completely think like, oh yeah, this guy, this, this is kind I of get, a bad dude. Yeah, I guess. Um, I think it's just more of a character. Well, it's more just, I, I know one of the screenwriters is Adam McKay, uh-huh. and he uh, directed The Big Short, which is huh. very, it's about the stock market crash yeah, yeah. in 2007. Like, that's a very politically driven. Um, sure. Let me actually see what Peyton Reed's done, because I... 
He may He's have mostly done. He may have worked on that movie as well. I'm not sure. I think Peyton Reed has mostly done um, rom coms. I want to say I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, I know that Adam McKay also worked on the Anchorman movies, so huh. <laughs> which are actually very politically driven. It's about how like the yeah. evolution or de evolution of the news. Yeah. Um. Let me see. If I get his stuff. Yeah, he's really worked on a bunch of comedies. Fascinating. Okay. Because I remember people being kind of concerned. Yeah. Um, and I, I, again, this is kind of difficult to judge who is responsible for this movie as far as who, like, put it well, together because we don't know how far along it was and how much changed after Edgar Wright left. Yeah. We don't know what the the source of conflict between Disney and Edgar Wright was. Yeah. Or I guess Feige and Edgar Wright was, or Ike Perlmutter and Edgar, whichever, whatever the deal with that was. Um, we don't really know why or what what had to be changed. So, yeah, it's hard to say. Well, I feel like we're far enough removed from when the movie came out that we can fairly, like, we don't have to think too much about the Edgar Wright yeah. equation of it. Yeah. Like we can just kind of look at it as a movie and take it on its own terms mm-hmm. instead of what could have been. Sure. Which I feel like some people kind of do like that. To do yeah. With this, it, it just feels weird to do with this movie because like, this movie like, is so. Like a lot like, of the conversations when people talk about Ant-Man, they either talk about how forgettable it is, yeah. kind of whatever, or it's just like, you know, if Edgar Wright had done that, it would have been amazing. Yeah. Which is the thing is that, and that's that's what I'd also like to know is how much of that was. And don't get me wrong, I love Edgar Wright, and I would have wanted to see yes. his movie. But at the same time, I'm not. I'm not like super upset at the end result. Yes, and also, I'm not gonna like lose my mind over the loss of release the Edgar Wright cut. Yeah, and well, specifically an Edgar Wright cut of Ant Man. Like that's with what we got, we have gone far. <laughs> Ants. With what we've got, we've gone far and away above like what we what you could have possibly expected from a movie about an Ant Man. Yeah, like that. I think we're I think we're in the clear as far as that goes. I just love with the, with the Marvel movies. It's so easy for them to just give you this ridiculous premise and you just go with it. Mm-hmm. Like we have shrinking technology, and you can communicate with ants, mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay. And when they kill off one of the ants, <laughs> you're like, no. Why did you do that to me, movie? Why you just gotta rip my heart out of my chest and stamp on it? Yeah. Why? Yeah. At least his name wasn't Martha. <laughs> um. Do we want to talk briefly about the score? Maybe a little less than fine. I don't. Right. I don't remember anything about the score. But then when we got to the end credits, like there, it suddenly jumped up in energy by like yeah. a thousand percent. During the heist scene, there's some good yeah. kind of classic heist music. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish there this... was. There wasn't a, like a central Ant Man theme. Not that I remember. Anything. I think there was one, but it wasn't like. It felt very much like the last few. Um, non Age of Ultron scores okay. where it's just sort of like this is their score yeah. it sounds like every other superhero score but yeah. this is their score okay um yeah usually I'm able to pick out a theme in, in these movies I couldn't I yeah. didn't notice that at all which I find problematic because yeah. I'm usually on the lookout <laughs> for that kind of thing I don't know do we have anything else we want to say about this movie oh <laughs> I've realized if I ever like watch a really bad movie, this is a very good palate cleanser yes. for me to watch immediately after. Yes. Because back in 2015, I had seen Terminator Genesis, and I hated that movie beyond belief. Like in the theater, I was flabbergasted by how mm-hmm. bad it was, and I kept telling you about this, uh-huh. and I kept building it up. And then we were like, "Let's go see Ant Man." So I came to visit you, mm-hmm. and then we went to go see Ant Man. I was like, "That was so great." I'm so glad I can actually enjoy a movie. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> and just watching this again, it's it's good to know that it's a, that like it wasn't like super hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. Like my feelings about that, mm-hmm. just because like I had seen this trashy movie, yeah. And then I was like, oh, 
I had a good experience. Yeah. Like, this movie is legitimately fun. We need more movies like it. Yes. We need more flavors of the week. I agree. And less Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, Suicide Squad, Justice League. Well, you're, just, you're just listening to one. Yeah. If you hadn't stopped me, I probably would have said one. <laughs> <laughs> Question. Do do you think Wonder Woman is better than this? I think Wonder Woman is trying to do more. I think it's highs and by highs I mean specifically one scene it's probably higher than this movie. Aside from that let me put it this way. I came in this movie a B plus. Oh that's intense. Alright. And what did I give Wonder Woman? And B plus. Wonder Woman's. <laughs> Wonder Woman's. <laughs> um I'm not gonna be that high on it. I think I'm gonna stick with a B minus. Okay. Just because it is super by the book. Yeah. Except for a couple of very interesting choices yeah. that, that, that we noticed. Um but the villain ultimately sure. is a problem. Um there's a lot of places where it could have been thematically more rich and yes. it's just not it's very superficial which is kind of where I'm coming from is I'm like this is the highest possible marks I can give something that also give... keep in mind B- minus is also the same grade I gave Wonder Woman and I have regretted it ever since okay <laughs> oh. for those of you at home I would just like to point out that Alex recently took the Pottermore test on the for the Harry Potter house and he got Slytherin. So I'm just going to throw... It doesn't have anything to do with anything you might have just said. That's not why I'm bringing this up. I just thought you might like to know that bit of trivia about Alex in case that flavors your opinion of him at all. That's all I'm saying. Do I need to bring up that the Sorting Hat was going to put Harry in Slytherin? No, you don't. You're fine. Um, Fake news! <laughs> that's not true. Um, Fake news <laughs> alternative facts <laughs> anyway get, get your alternative facts straight anyway this is the top marks I can give to a movie that doesn't necessarily go beyond anything other than being a movie that is executed perfectly <laughs> like it's hard to put that in any other way but like I don't know. This this just it doesn't it doesn't hit the A range at all because there's not a whole lot yeah. in it that really like soars it above that. But it's just watching this movie is just a nice delightful experience where you have compelling characters and interesting set pieces. My last three grades have been B minuses. Uh, I know? put Guardians, Age of Ultron, and Ant Man all on the same level. Fa I, that's fascinating. I would just like to remind you that Alex recently took the bottom one. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Huh. Would you have expected to do that coming into this? this? I, no, I would have expected Ant-Man to be like a C+, plus, uh, Age of Ultron to be like an A-, minus, and then Guardians to be like a B. Huh. Well, oh, yeah. Those were... The, the, that, that probably would have been my, my rough estimates going into those. I did just give Ant-Man a higher grade than Guardians, didn't I? Yeah, I I still kind of stand by it. That's weird. That's that feels wrong to me, but also very right. So, also Edgar Wright, if you will. Uh. That's one thing I will say about about watching these movies again. Like it's kind of it's it's damaged a lot of them, but at least it's been very interesting. The ups and downs versus yeah. our expectations. Yeah, that that's been fascinating. Yeah, yeah. We are so we're at the end of phase two. Do you have any any maybe last thoughts here before we close it out as far as I don't know anything anything interesting about our grading or no <laughs> I'll, I'll just give you the score I I look at if it. you want to babble on for, for another 20-25 minutes because <laughs> that's how this works well it's, it's interesting because we both gave most of phase one pretty mediocre-ish -ish reviews um and then like we both pretty, felt pretty good about Avengers me much more so than you but still both both thought that was pretty good 
And now, like, phase two, there were some, some hiccups early on. Um, but then, like, everything beyond that has been in the A and B range, which is like, hmm. They, maybe they are learning. Maybe they're getting somewhere. What well, a soldier's my only thing in the A range, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, yep, that works for me. Interesting. I mean, my only other one is Avengers, so. Watch us. I, I'm going to watch Thor Ragnarok again and be like A+, plus, aren't I? <laughs> I, just, I just had a second where I was trying to match them up, and I saw Thor the Dark World, A- minus and A, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not right. Seriously, um, though, I'm, I'm going to be watching Thor Ragnarok again and I'm going to be like A+. Plus. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to watch it again. I haven't seen it I'm not going to give theaters. it an A+. Plus. I know. I, know I, don't, I doubt I am either, but I'm, I'm excited. Um, is this the best looking... This will be the, the, the one to end on. Is this the best looking MCU movie? The saturation is very... Um, not distracting. <laughs> yes, that's the best way to put it. It's how a movie... I think I said while we were watching it, it's how a movie made in 2015 should look. <laughs> Thor The Dark World might still be the best looking one, but this one looks looks pretty good. Yeah, and it's a good movie. Can I, can I qualify it by saying, is this the best looking good movie the MCU has produced? I'm not dignifying that with an answer. Um, but yes. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. We'll have to do a, a, a big analysis of the, the grades. I think we're thinking maybe down the line, thinking a few steps ahead here, maybe doing something for the 100th episode. We might dive into the grades and the score sheet a little bit and do an analysis well is our is our plan to double up on that we're doing both that and and last jedi is yeah that... we'll we'll look into that we'll, we'll see okay. what's coming okay um, i don't think we mentioned last jedi yet so we shouldn't mention that 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 what both of those i think are coming in some form or fashion we'll just see how we release them around that hundredth episode mark last jedi is gonna be four hours long i don't want it it's gonna be I great I keep flip-flopping, just like I do with my opinions on The Last Jedi, about whether or not I actually want to talk about it. Yeah. There's so much I want to talk about with it. Yeah. 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 It's a Star Wars movie. Yeah. You can find us on herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us through email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. And you can find us on iTunes and YouTube just by searching Here Come the Sequels. You, you've done a good job not revealing your hand about how you feel about Last Jedi yet. I, I respect that. Okay. Keep I, don't up, know, I don't know if I know how I feel about Last Jedi. Keep up the good work. What I, That's going to be a, the, the, the rewatch and the discussion are going to determine everything for how I feel about that movie. I've been very open and transparent. <laughs> I, I, I got no idea. Yeah. Um, I have some idea. We'll see. All right. In conclusion, not enough deconstructing, but art is subjective. <laughs> Nothing is real. <laughs>